is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Welcome to another episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And I wanted to say a thank you to everyone for the kind words and the feedback that you all gave for last week's returning episode. It's interesting because I used the analogy when I was talking with somebody about bringing the show back. It was like putting on an old, comfortable pair of shoes that you haven't worn in a long time. That's how I felt after recording last week's show. And seeing all the, the kind words and seeing people share it all over social media really validated the show coming back. So again, thank you to everyone for that, and we're going to keep the show going. But for this week's episode, you're going to hear the first of a three-part series that's a behind-the-scenes look of my latest short film, The Feature. And I wanted to divide it into three episodes to give the players of the film ample time to talk about their experiences, what led them to getting involved, and you know, sharing some funny stories as well. In the few huge ensemble podcasts that I've done in the past and others that you know I've watched online, when you have a huge ensemble, people can get lost in the shuffle or they might sit for 10 plus minutes and not really get a chance to say anything or they have to wait that long to even get one word in. So I wanted to give as many people as possible ample time to talk about their time on the project. For this week, you'll be hearing more of the uh, behind-the-scenes look from a technical standpoint with myself as co-writer and director, with Steve Wise, who was the first assistant director, and Chad Sanders, who was a producer and also helped out with casting as well. And you might ask yourself, well, how can you moderate a discussion for a movie that you were a part of? That's where Jeremy Branch comes in. Uh, he and I have worked together uh, through numerous podcasts, you know, dating back to my days on the Nerd Cave podcast back in, you know, 2013 or so. So I asked him to come on as guest host. So he'll be the one moderating the conversation so that I could sit in and talk about the inception of the film. We tell some funny stories and it was just really good to even hear Stephen Chad's perception of making the film because they even said some things that you know, I wasn't expecting them to. So without further ado, here is part one of three of a behind the scenes look of the feature. Welcome to this very special conversation that we're having about the making of the film, The Feature. I'm joined here with the creator, the producer, the first AD of the film. And we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about the process, what, what it took to make this film, the inspirations behind it, and all sorts of other fun stuff. So we do appreciate you coming by and being a part of the conversation. If you do have any contributions to the discussion, you've got questions that you want answered, make sure to leave those down in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and get this thing started. Uh, first, you know him well, 
Joining us is Derek Diamond, the the writer and the director of the feature. Derek, uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being uh, for taking the opportunity to host this uh, episode. It's weird being a guest on my own show. I'll be perfectly honest, but I, I you were the first person I thought of, you know, when trying to find a, a host. So I very much appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, and I'm I'm super happy to be able to do this. I was actually able to sit down and watch the film just a few weeks ago. And so I have legitimate questions. I wanted to talk to everybody about their involvement. And joining us as well is first assistant director, Steve Wise. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Derek, for uh, inviting me on. And also we have Chad Sanders, who is a producer also responsible for some of the casting and i suspect that might be why he got a role in the film chad sanders welcome to the conversation <laughs> sir oh man you read me like a book jeremy How yeah you doing? uh i'm doing well i'm stoked to be here finally i'm a guest on the Derek diamond experience <laughs> finally what? i only had to produce this movie to get it done <laughs> technically you were on an episode I I always forget that because because we recorded it and then it happened later. Yeah, yeah. But technically you were, but as far as like a sit down conversation, yeah, this is your mm -hmm. and you're you're partially responsible for the show coming back. So there you go. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I'm actually super excited that you brought the Derek Diamond experience back. Uh, you and I have been fellow collaborators in the podcast realm for quite a while. And actually, uh, everybody here on this panel has done some sort of collaborating in the past. Um, so I do want you to tell me about the inception of the film, but I also want to afterwards to get each of you to kind of tell me how you got wrapped into this thing. But first of all, Derek, uh, when you decided that the feature was the project that you were going to lean into uh, and, and commit to, what was the inspiration behind it? So uh, once we made the Parker syndrome back in 2018, I knew I wanted my next project to be something to do with a movie about making a movie, because as we all know, the process of filmmaking is fascinating in and of itself because you have so many interesting characters that are involved. Crazy things can happen at the drop of a hat. So I wanted to do something to to capture that. So I started working on the script probably summer of 2019 and then completed the first draft of it in January of 2020. Two months later, we all know what happened after that. We won't need to get into the whole COVID thing, but um, that put the back burner on it a little bit. I would still work on it periodically. And then once I got more serious about it, would send it, you know, I sent it to Steve a couple of times to take a look at, send it to a couple of other people for feedback. And then in April or May of this year, I felt like I was ready to to tackle another project. So talked with Chad, Chad got on board as producer. But the interesting thing is, and I know she's not on the show, but I will give her a shout out. My wife, Samantha, became pretty heavily involved with the film itself also. <laughs> And it's funny because I, I sent her or I let her read a copy of the script and she said, I really like the story, but do you mind if, you know, I help you work with the dialogue? So we did that and then added in some of the, I won't give away all spoilers, but 
there is some romance that's involved with the movie. And a lot of that is inspired by our story, mine and Samantha's cool. story. So we incorporated that, added in, you know, Chad helped um, add in some comedy that I think will land really well. And that's that's kind of how the whole process started. That's actually really interesting. And it's something that I wanted to ask about. Um, when you are collaborating with fellow filmmakers, people that kind of share the same aspirations, I think everybody has a certain expectation of what that entails coming into it. When you're collaborating, excuse me, when you're collaborating with a spouse, like uh, how does that how is that dynamic different, if you will, than than when you are working with people that you've sort of reached out to with this specific thing in mind? Um, I won't say it's extremely different. Um, okay. So Samantha has a, a different creative process than I do, but it, it's it's no different than really working with. You know, like if it's me working with Steve or me working with Chad, we might have different ways of doing things, but we find that common ground and figure out, you know, what's ultimately going to work best for the project. Cool, cool. So uh, I did kind of uh, mention your credits at the top of this thing, but just break it down for a layman. Steve, can you talk a little bit about what it is that the first assistant director does specifically in this project? Well, sure. Uh, in a small project like this, uh, it's we don't have a second assistant, so it's pretty much the assistant director. Sure. Um, on a larger project, you have it broken down into multiple people that are doing different jobs. But essentially, the, the first AD uh, is the person who runs the set. And so you maintain the schedule and keep things rolling. And it's really important because, you know, it's, it's so easy for um for a project to get out of control, you know, to where it, you know, we're taking so much time to set up the the cameras and the lights and rehearse the actors and get the thing going that, you know, you can spend an hour on one shot and you have 35 more shots to go. Yeah, you know? sure. So, um, so the first idea, the primary job is just to, to keep things rolling and keep it on track. So, um, so on the set of the, you know, of, of the feature, uh, basically I was Derek's right-hand man to make sure that his vision got done in an efficient manner and on time. So with the, with the role of producer uh, from, in my understanding of it i feel like it's one position that can be very varied essentially there's a lot of different things that producers do in different projects so chad at what capacity uh what was your role as a producer on this film um you're definitely right about like the idea of the umbrella term because there's not one specific way to do it uh, in television they break it down into different co-producers, executive producers, and you'll always on on larger projects have things like blind producers and all sorts of that. On this one, um, thankfully, so much of the production work was handled really well by Derek and Samantha that I just kind of picked up the pieces of what needed to happen while also looking for things that we haven't thought of yet and giving my creative two cents where I can um, not unlike Steve or anyone else on set, we're all creators and we all are just trying to make the thing great. So Derek's always open for that. Um, if, if you could break it down to one thing, spreadsheets. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. Organize everything. It's not the sexiest job, 
but it's super important. Uh, and just always have like a Google folder with the project name on it and just go to town about every little thing. You kind of can't be wrong if you overthink it. It's kind of where your anxiety starts to work for you. Okay. Nice for a change. So <laughs> yeah. you can just kind of work with it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that that's actually really insightful for me. And for those of you that may not be aware, uh, we are all based here in Pensacola, Florida on the Panhandle. This was a a community uh, involved project. And that goes from the cast and crew, if I'm not mistaken, are primarily from here in the area. It also means that there were local businesses involved for locations and things like that. And I, I find that really fascinating when when I look at a set and I recognize what it looks like when it's not dressed and then saying, oh, that's really cool that they've been able to transform this. Um, Derek, what is it like working in a a restaurant that's open, essentially? I mean, did y'all get in there after hours? The The restaurant is uh, New Yorker Deli. So what did that process look like, getting them on board and then being able to slide in there in between their open hours and stuff? So luckily for us, New Yorker Deli is closed on Sundays. Oh, so okay. we filmed on a Sunday so we wouldn't have to worry about it, which is funny because we had so many cars outside the restaurant that people were showing up <laughs> thinking the restaurant was open. Sure. We'd be getting ready to you know, film and then we'd just hear a knock on the door. We'd hear or we see somebody just kind of peek through the window like, is, is, is it open? <laughs> Even though we put a sign that says closed for filming. But people still were like, oh, maybe we'll we'll try to go in anyway. No, I, Did that I ever to, happen in the midst of a shoot? We we had more of an issue with with the phone because their their phone line was still <laughs> still on. I would be getting ready to say action, and all of a sudden, like, oh, wait, wait, okay, yeah, now let's go. Hold for sound. <laughs> yeah, hold for, hold for sound. <laughs> but I, I got to give uh, Chad a shout out with both securing um, New Yorker Deli and Collab, where the other part of the film uh, takes place. Mm. If, if I can add something to uh, just a little bit of insight into what a producer does on a larger project. Um, ultimately, the producer is responsible for the money and hiring crew, hiring cast, uh, the schedule, you know, all the logistics, basically. And you're able to hire the key players, the department heads. On a smaller project like this, you don't necessarily have department heads uh, because, you know, it's it's. We just don't have have the resources. And so the producer has to take up the slack. And so you might have a location manager whose job it is to go out and find the locations and, and secure it and sign the paperwork. If we don't have that, producer has to step in and do it. And, you know, the casting, you might have a casting director. If you don't have one, then the producer takes that. So, so Chad basically filled in a lot of roles as the producer because uh, of not having the those people in place. So he had to come in and instead of overseeing it, he had to actually do the job. So, Chad, yeah, what was the what yeah. was the pitch? What did that look like to go in and speak with these businesses and get them on board? Um, I was very fortunate to just kind of work the connections that I have sure. and the people that I knew who I've previously worked at with CoLab with a previous business I used to work with. We used to rent office space there. Mm. I was able to talk to Pat, who was a ham, and he connected me to Casey, the office manager, and we all knew each other. So it was just, it was a nice conversation to go in, see what it was, fill it out. I 
I, if I recall correctly, that I was via Zoom for that meeting because I had COVID at the time. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of weird to be the only Zoom person in a meeting, yeah, but yeah. It, it worked out pretty well. With New Yorker, my one of my best friends, Aaron, who works with me on BitHouse, and he's my writing partner, you know, and, and he, he fully understands the project. Uh, he also was happy to be background, and he was nice enough to come in and on his day off and be there as long as we did um, for the, I think we pulled 10 or 11 that day. I'm not sure, hours-wise. Sure. Um, uh, the funny, we, we were there nine, for a good chunk of the yeah. day. It must have been. Um, but the funny thing Steve says about filling roles, it's not just about doing the thing once, it's maintaining it. Mm -hmm. it it's every which way you don't think there's a problem until you realize it. Sure. Like I remember the week before trying to figure out parking all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, with Colab, that wasn't a problem because it was Saturday. Not a lot of people there. They have a large parking lot. With New Yorker, there's only so many spots, and we had a decent sized crew, but a lot of background was coming in and out throughout the day. So I remember having to organize with other businesses next to it, trying to find parking. And it got to the point where I thought we could do the restaurant next door, but turns out they're not only open on Sundays, it's actually the busiest day. <laughs> That's their big by. day. Sure. Yeah. So I found that out like on a Thursday. So <laughs> it was like figuring out street parking here. Um, the one building next to it where the rock climbing wall is, they were very nice to give us like four spots up front yeah. on that day. Super nice folks. Totally understandable. Um, but it's just like always like, having your head on a swivel, being aware of what could come up and just trying to keep the cool while you're doing it. Sure. The, the producer a lot of times is the, the troubleshooter. And, mm. you know, if, if everything goes smoothly, you just sit back and watch. Um, if not, then you're the one that's putting out the fires. Do things ever go completely according to plan, right? Uh, oh, every time. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. This is easy. Yeah. Everyone should do it. It's, it's yeah. uh, no, it's, um, it's only a it's only a fire if you don't know how to put it out. Sure, I think. Um, and you know, it's just like I said, keeping like your calm the best you can. Mm. Um, if you don't, you just be aware of etiquette on set and just how your mood affects everybody. Just like in life, your attitude affects how other people feel. So, for anyone looking to get into it, the closest thing I can compare it to is being a project manager. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so Steve, kind of. Kinda... Like Steve, kind of speaking of wearing a lot of different hats, uh, you've been involved in the <laughs> film industry for quite a while. You've been uh, involved at many different capacities from sure. directing your own films that were written on by on screenplays that you wrote yourself. You've been a hired gun for other projects, hmm. written award winning screenplays. So when you're approaching projects and obviously you the you guys all had a connection before this, but like, what's the one through line? What What's the consistent thing that you carry with you regardless of what the role is when you're approaching a project? Storytelling. So it's um, the whole goal of making a movie is telling a story. And so, you know, if, if I'm actually sitting there at, at the keyboard uh, writing the script or 
directing it to try to bring that script to life or in the case of this film uh stepping back and helping derek basically be his assistant to make sure that things are running smoothly so he can tell his story it's you know it's all part of that process and i don't think that most people really totally understand that when when you talk about filmmaking being a collaborative art you know the director gets gets all the credit you know and, and it's uh, that's the sexy job if you will although it's uh highly stressful yeah sure. uh, but it, it's one of those things where it takes this army of people doing all the logistics and doing a lot of other creative parts to it to pull it together where the director ends up being more of an orchestra or, or a, a conductor in an orchestra yeah. and trying to bring all the pieces together and relies on people that, you know, like the, the assistants or the producers or, you know, this whole team of people to be able to bring this story to life. And, you know, there, there is a certain amount of creativity that goes along with, with some of these jobs. Um, you know, the, I, for instance, as assistant director, was able to um, direct the background. So okay. the restaurant scene, uh, you know, trying to place people because Derek is working with the, the primary cast and trying to set up the cameras and trying to figure out how to capture the scene. So little details like that, you know, he can pass it off to other people and say, here, you know, go take care of that. And then we go do it and say, okay, Derek, how does this look? Yeah, it looks great. Or eh, let's move these things around a little bit. And, and so it meets his vision a little bit better. But it it's all in the service of the story, how best to to tell that. And um, Derek, I, I think it's fair to say that this is a very character-driven story. I think the, the characters really do drive the narrative of something like this. So aside from casting, I'm really curious to know what is your what is your approach when it comes to dealing with actors how do you guide them to get the performances that it is you need out of them because i think that's a really important part of being a director well and it's something that i'm still learning because you know this is only the second film that i've directed but uh, what i love about working with actors is uh, yeah i can write the dialogue i can come up with the situations but they're ultimately the ones that are responsible for putting it on screen. Mm. And I like when actors will collaborate and add little nuances to their characters. Like that happened with the Parker syndrome that I think worked really well um, with, with the Zach character with this film specifically. Um, I'll give a shout out to uh, Leah Johnson, who played Maria, who was the actor for the, the actress for the movie within a movie. Yeah. She came up with a couple of ideas the day of like, Hey, what do you think of this? And I'm like, yeah, that works great. And we did it on screen and it was better than what I had planned. So I, I, I like having that open collaboration really with everybody, including the actors. So then it sounds like casting itself is a really essential part of like, you are booking the talent based on what, each of them respectively can bring to that role um on that note and and chad this could apply to you as well in fact chad when you were um looking at casting are y'all looking for a certain type like an archetypal they look like this they they sound like this they have this demeanor or are you letting the characters be more defined by the uh auditions that the actors kind of bring to to the audition 
I hate to sound like kind of magical woo woo, but it's all about the feeling of it. I, I think me and Derek were really lucky and blessed that I, um, a lot of our sensibilities about the script when he was working on it with Samantha and when I was reading it, we lined up a lot on this is what the character should be like. This is what I hear in my head. That's what it, they should play it this way. And the casting process was amazing for this project. Like the type of project where you feel bad that you kind of can't hire everyone. Mm. So many people came in with so many great takes. Um, just for the Michael role alone, uh, the, the scene, one scene with the boss, we go with Rob Eubanks because I think he's closest to like what we wanted and without giving too much away about the scene. But he totally the line between this and that. And there were some fantastic reads where some people went sillier and they did a great job. Some people went more angry. And if I may tell a story, yeah, go ahead. Please. And there you love the story. Um, <laughs> we had an, an, a, another actor came in and this gentleman was like, he's retired now, but it was like old school New York Broadway actor. And he came in to read and his reading on it was great. It was just really intense. Okay. And he got involved. And in the scene where emotionally it starts to ramp up a little bit, he stood up from his chair and started leaning into Derek <laughs> and just started yelling at him. And I'm just like, I'm sitting behind him and I'm watching. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my yes. life. Yes. It was so great and intense. Like, I want to write something for this guy now because he deserves it. Like, it was great. Derek, what did but that look like? Part. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did that look like from your perspective, Derek? Did that kind of push you in the direction of like, I need to hire this guy because he's committed? Or were you like, oh my God, this guy might potentially kill me right now? <laughs> Well, that, that thought had crossed my mind. Uh, funny thing is, we actually have that whole audition on, like, we recorded it. Oh, that's so, fantastic. So at some point, I'll release it as, a, like, a bonus feature. I forgot about that. Yep. That, yeah, we, we recorded. The cool thing is, we recorded all the auditions. We recorded the table read. We recorded a lot of stuff just for bonus content. Um, yep. I was taken aback, if I'm being honest. Um, I was. <laughs> I, I appreciated that he was getting really into the role. Yeah. Um, and it's like Chad said, I wish there were more roles that we could have given to people because so many people did a good job with you know what they brought to the table. It was one of those things that you know I wish we could have put him in the movie. I'd love to work with him uh, at at some point. Yeah, it sounds it, that sounds fantastic. That's almost, uh, you know, the method approach, if you will. Uh, so do, is there anything you want to add to to uh, what you were looking for when you were doing the casting for for the film? Yeah, I, I didn't have as far as physical looks go. I didn't really have anyone in mind. I wanted to. Well, there, there was one role that I decided on that I'll get into in a second. But as far as most of the characters, I was going in with an open mind as far as their looks go. It was really more about their emotions, how they said the words that, that I had written. Sure. And that's really ultimately what what led to the decision of you know the, the cast that we went with. I, I will say the Doug character, the the sound guy. Yeah. I love when him. I 
when I wrote that script, I had Thomas Carter Rochester in mind because awesome. when I when I met him for the first time like three years ago, we just clicked. Like we have a lot of the same interests as far as movies and things, and I knew I wanted to work with him. So as soon as I started writing the story, I said I don't want anyone else to play that character. We didn't even do any Thomas auditions. Had that I, on people. <laughs> I just sent him the script yeah. and and said it's yours if you want it, and thankfully he said yes. Yeah, uh, there are several standout performances. I wouldn't say he's got the lion's share of the dialogue, but for for the bits that he does have, he definitely leaves an impression. So yeah, really, he's, he's a scene stealer. Yeah, he absolutely, is. very good stuff. Very good stuff. So, um, Steve, is there something that you learned working on this project in particular? Something I learned. Well, I mean, every project is new and different and offers different challenges. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with company moves, for instance, um, you know, it, it's a hard thing to juggle that when, uh, you know, like we, we were, we had multiple scenes at CoLab and of course the, the um, several smaller scenes, the more character driven scenes at the restaurant. But um, so we had to schedule all the restaurant scenes one day, but trying to figure out what we could shoot at collab on which day. And ultimately when it came down to it, you know, we realized that we, during, during production that we needed an additional day because it just um, trying to get everything shot that we needed to, we could have raced through it, but it wouldn't have served the film well. And so it was a matter of, Okay, when do you make that call that all right, we're gonna we're gonna finish up here, but the remaining scenes that we have left, we're gonna schedule for another day. And you know, so that's that's something that you don't know until you get into the thick of it how things are gonna gonna go because there's a lot of factors involved, the the lighting and the logistics with um the cast and crew and just the flow of the scenes. Things can be going magically. And you don't want to ruin that magic by saying, well, we've got to wrap up in an hour where it's like, yeah, but we need to take the time to do it right. Yes. Um, So if anything, it's just a matter of, you know, dealing with the situation as you have it, you can, you can do all the prep in advance and, and you should, and try to have every detail worked out, but you need to know that sometimes things don't go as you planned on paper and you have to be flexible with it. Sure. Yeah, I imagine that's a big part of the kind of push and pull when it comes to uh, filmmaking is just, hey, we've got a schedule that we've got to maintain. Plus, we want to maintain the integrity of the project itself. And when you get into budgets and you know really strict uh, production schedules, I imagine that gets to be even more stressful. But on a relatively smaller scale, I, I imagine you do have a little bit more wiggle room, a little bit more flexibility in those kind of situations. Um, Chad, I want to ask you the same question. Is there anything specifically in this project that you learned? Yeah. Uh, confirm lunch. Mm, <laughs> elaborate. Confirm it. Um, a lot of moving parts, like I said, with like location scouting and producing. And sometimes you need to just kind of double check that the thing that we all expect to have happen will happen. Um, I felt like I should have like called only because like you think you place all these orders and everything's fine. It's, it's actually nobody's 
on productions issue. It was literally the fault of the of the establishments we were using. Uh, the first day of filming, all the pizza arrived like two and a half hours early. Mm, exactly. That's a big difference. So we had the opposite. Uh, yeah, so everyone was nice about it, but all eating like lukewarm pizza. I won't say who it is. <laughs> um, and then on the second day, the establishment just didn't confirm. They, it didn't, they didn't confirm it on their end. So they didn't have the order. So now we were in this mad dash rush, second day in a row, starting early, having just shot two big scenes with a lot of background, and lunch is now late. I think we rolled on the third scene just to kind of keep the pace going. But we at the top, we're all feeling really bad because you got to see your crew and you got to see them well and you got to see them on time. Mm-hmm. So by the time we got to this third day that we end up having to reschedule multiple times due to other factors happening outside of our control, um, we, we were smart enough this term to just call ahead and make sure it happened. Yeah. Time. It's exactly what it needs to be, where it needs to be at the right time. And that's just, it's, it's kind of, not just lunch even though lunch is super important it's just you know always making sure that things are supposed to happen if you're ever worried about like micromanaging something or kind of just being nitpicky think of this story (laughs) okay okay (laughs) and feel validated uh, (laughs) while still giving people their space on your crew on the day of give people their space to work the people at the establishment uh, I don't work with them, so I got no problem next time making sure that they don't mess up my food. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So, Derek, as as you mentioned a moment ago, this is your second film that you've done. I'm sure there were a lot of things that you learn as you go along. What would you say the big takeaway that you learned this time that you're going to carry over to the next project that you work on? I think for me, and yeah, there's there's a lot to take away from, but I, I think the biggest one that stands out the most is I felt like I was more prepared for this film than I was for my last one. But I think with certain aspects of it, I could have been better prepared. Like meeting with, you know, when we met with Steve to go over the shot list, I probably should have done that sooner than I actually did. It's just not procrastinating on things because sure. I, I mean that that affects me, you know, not just with film but other things too. Is I just have a tendency to put things off until I can't anymore, and then things usually don't quite work out the way that I envision them doing. But yeah, you know, and, and to Steve's point about adding the extra day, I think at the end of the day it was the right thing to do because. The last thing we had to film at New Yorker was the final scene of the movie, the most important one, and it needed to be done right. Mm. And it worked because we got to come back and we had a very, very nice shoot with the two remaining scenes that we had left to film. So I, I think for me, it's probably better communication and more advanced prep time, because I think what Chad, we started talking about it in May. April, maybe? Yeah, is April or May. I don't know. When was, Steve, you were there. When was that uh, event in the park where they showed a bunch of uh, short films oh, that I, we were at? That, that was, that <laughs> was in May. All those things. That was yeah, in May. okay, so, yeah, because you sent me the script and I read it on my phone at McGuire's that night. Yep. So, whenever that happened. And then two weeks later, you texted me if I would do it. And I, and I said, I was, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. <laughs> you know, like some sort of like, 
Forgotten Bride or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I think I think having a little more prep time would have been would have been nice. And I, I'm very happy with how the film turned out, but it's just one of those things, you know, you you look back and think, uh this probably would have turned out even better if I had an extra month or had given myself an extra month to really fine tune some things. So I think Chad gave us a really great anecdote uh, in regards to the lunch situation. Do you have any other kind of uh, unforeseen circumstances, any funny stories that took place? Steve, you look like you might have one. Uh, any sort of funny stories that happened on the set? Well, this... be careful, guys. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, Something this, we may uh... say about other people may have lawyers. <laughs> this may be a Derek story, actually, but um, but Derek, jump in if if, if you want to uh, elaborate. But this has to do with uh, pushing the uh, the schedule back a little bit, where we had basically um, the scene with with the main character's boss, and so we had to to juggle the, you know, when we did, made the decision that okay, we're we're pushing it back. Well, that actor was planning on showing up on set that day, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon. So we had to contact him, uh, which was kind of interesting just because um, trying to call him and send a message on Facebook and text him and everything. He finally uh, had responded and everything. But it was like, are we going to just have him show up, you know, because he's not responding. Um, but everything worked out with that. But our lead actor was doing another production and needed to shave he had facial hair oh okay and so we're thinking okay when can we reschedule to where all the key players in particular kevin Olmodovar, our our director of photography it was critical that he was there and he was only available certain dates and the actor playing rob uh, playing the boss was only available certain dates. And so it was like this Venn diagram of trying to figure out when is everybody available? And when when the lead actor said, well, he's, he's got to shave for the, this film, we're thinking, okay, so how long is it going to take him to grow his, grow his beard back? And we thought, okay, we can't wait that long. We have to shoot. So, so Derek and Chad were trying to make arrangements with a makeup person to glue his. So we, we told the actor, yeah. shave, but save your whiskers. It was so bad. It was so bad. Pull back on. And, oh my God. You know, well, as it worked out, um, we were able to schedule in time to where he was able to roll back but yeah that was the most interesting facebook message i've ever sent in my life hey before when you shave just put all your hair in a ziploc bag i (laughs) had a real you had a real henry cavill situation on your hands didn't you yeah (laughs) can you imagine like his face if we digitally did that just like it would like he would like because it's just he doesn't talk a lot in the scene it's a lot of like just facial communication of this really crazy scene with his boss. And it's like a life-changing scene for the character. So can you imagine if he was just like, I think it was like a goatee to like bear skin. And then we did digitally and we're broke. So like, it would have been so patchy, pun intended. of just like, like, and then he would, it would probably be off. It was, oh God. I'm like, just going to have him sit like Chris Evans from the Avengers just, with his yeah. fist like that. Well, that's when we that said it during COVID and have him wear a mask. And it would be yeah. <laughs> 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 
Oh, that's great. Uh, oh, that's really good. Derek, any other ones that stick out to you? Kind of uh, struggles that you went through that we can laugh about? Uh, that was the big one, just because yeah, it was just the, the the concept of doing that was just crazy, and you know, we ultimately just decided to wait until he grew his his hair back, and then it it all worked out in the end. I, I think yeah that that was probably the craziest thing that that happened for me. It was I will say it's a funny one, but I pretty quickly realized during the New Yorker scenes that we were going to have to push back. And then I think after we filmed the second one was when we made the call. And I'm I'm just going through all these scenarios in my mind of, you know, what what to do, like because as a director, you ultimately have to be the one to make that decision. So I, I knew that that would ultimately be the best thing for the project. And I was like, well, we'll figure it out at some point. So was it a tough call to make? And did you feel did you feel pressured by doing it? Did you feel like it was a big ask of everybody? Like, uh, how how did everybody respond to that? Well, and I, I give credit to to Kevin for this because he had actually just come off of a five day shoot with oh, wow. the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Department working on their promotional video, mm. so he's running on fumes by that point. And I consulted with Steve and Chad, and also with Kevin, and he actually said he would prefer that. Oh, so he could go home go. and get some rest. So that worked that, that, out. Once he said that, the call was easy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, I got another question that I want to ask, and and maybe this one's a little bit abstract, but I I was kind of curious what your take would be on this, Derek. And I want to know how you would define success for the feature. Uh, what is it that you would like to see the fruits of your labor in regards to this particular project? Um, well, I, you know, I want it to do well in the festival circuit once as we're recording this, we're still working on a couple of things with the edit. Um, once that's done, we'll have the premiere um, here in Pensacola and then we'll start submitting it to, to festivals. For me, the ultimate success, and this wouldn't happen anytime soon, but I would love for one day to turn this story into a feature film. A feature, No sure. pun intended, but I would call it the short. To make it <laughs> okay, I respect that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, I'm sure some part of you, the minute that you've, uh, you know, wrapped the shoot itself, feels like a success. Mm -hmm. By the time you put the last little uh, bow on it, as as you're finishing up the edit, I'm sure that will feel like a success. But I was kind of just curious to know what your more long term aspirations for it is. So. Definitely good luck uh, in, in the film circuit. I, like I said, I watched it a couple weeks ago. I think it's fantastic. I think y'all pulled off something that, that I really enjoyed, and I think people are going to get something out of it. Um, also, I want to give you an opportunity, um, because I know you're all busy, guys. Uh, do you have any upcoming projects? What's next for you, Steve? Uh, <laughs> well for uh personal projects outside of other uh, things such as pensacon yes the end of february uh which i think most of us are, are going to be involved with in one way or another mm -hmm. uh, but um i have a uh a short film that i've written and uh hopefully uh these two gentlemen here will be uh helping me out on it um, excellent and it's tentatively called walker and um about a 
an older gentleman who is widowed and has had knee surgery and is forced to use a walker that he does not want to use. He's very stubborn and is going through physical therapy and is just kind of angry at the world. And uh, one night someone breaks into his house. Mm, all right. Um, it's uh, a great I, script. Yeah, it's I've really read good. it twice now. Um, it's very Hitchcockian. It's got me and Derek really excited. Oh, that's excellent. To, like, work on this project. So uh, how did how's uh, Blackwater Blues playing, Steve? Uh, have you all got that out in front of audiences and things uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, I see my, uh, my poster over here. I did. I did. It looks great. <laughs> uh, that was a, for, for, for the audience's sake. Um, this was a TV pilot that I directed and, and produced uh, starring Corin Nemec, who wrote the screenplay and produced it with me. And also Jason London uh, starred in it. And we shot it, oh boy, like two years ago now. And it took a good year to go through post-production, but it's been uh, playing in the festival circuit now. It uh, debuted at the Orlando Film Festival and was nominated for Best uh, uh, TV Pilot. Okay. It just won an award at the IndieX Film Fest in Los Angeles. And it's also um, going to be playing at a film festival in India. So we're waiting on other festivals to, you know, to come back, uh, you know, just like anything you've had, uh, you know, some successes and some that uh, have passed on it. And it's like, okay, you know, try to, uh, try to move forward with uh, the ones that uh, where it's a right fit. So. Yeah. I love from from my vantage point, I get to see these projects in various states of complete. I never saw Blackwater Blues from beginning to end in its final form. But I remember watching, uh, you know, scenes from it and just really thinking it was great work. The uh, the performances of of Jason and Cor uh, Corman Corin are, are both excellent. So, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love to check that out now that it's now that it's finished. Maybe we can make that happen. Um Chad, I, I guess you're going to be involved with the Walker, but do you have any, or excuse me, with Walker, but do you have anything else going on? Anything upcoming? Yeah, uh, this premiere for this, yeah. this short film. Um, just trying to sell tickets and get people to show up, man. Um, I think we got lucky that we paired it with a, a documentary about making a movie. Yeah. Uh, I think we have our own little cool little film school presentation going on with this premiere. Uh, I know we've talked about more showings with more locally made films, short films, feature films. Uh, that's something I would just like to do in general of just showing things to people. Yeah. Um, if I can ever get disciplined enough to sit down and finish the two scripts I'm working on, um, I should hopefully have a short film of my own that I can film sometime in the spring when the weather gets a little bit better because it's mostly filmed outside. Okay. And, uh, just trying to, you know, like everything else, and Jeremy, you can understand this with like online content, uh, just, you know, getting back into, you know, my podcast and also like my sketch comedy. Cause I realized like I had something I took time off in the last year or two to focus on business and, and I just really miss it. I know you're passionate about this stuff. So I, I really do yeah. uh, hope to see what you've got coming up. Appreciate that. Um, Derek. Same question, buddy. What now that you've got this one down, and obviously you've got the promotion, you're gonna do the screening, you're gonna get it into film festivals. Do you have do you have another screenplay that you're cooking up? Do you have any other ideas about what's coming next for you? 
So I actually am working on a script for a feature, and it's a murder mystery movie. All right, excellent. Which I'm I'm a huge fan of. You know the murder mystery genre, specifically *Knives Out*, and now you know *Glass Onion*, which I thought was even better than *Knives Out*. Um, it really gives me motivation to to keep writing, and I, I've enjoyed the trying to add in the layers of you know who might have committed the murder and trying to throw people off and whatnot. So it's been a it's been a fun process, and I have other ideas for for shorts. Um, I've got an idea for um, a series that I've been working on um, off and on, and then. Obviously, you know, now with the podcast being back, I've got that too. Yeah, excellent. And uh, as you are well aware, you're watching uh, the, what is your channel called? The Derek Diamond mm -hmm. Experience again? Excellent, excellent. So you went on a little hiatus. And if uh, you are new to the channel, you may not know. But if you go back just a little ways, Derek and I have done uh, several podcast collaborations on his channel as well as on the Pop Culture Nihilist, which you can check out on YouTube as well. I do movie reviews, podcasts, live streams, all of that kind of stuff. And then I've also got a YouTube channel called Lucid Memory, where I do a bunch of kind of synthwave uh, retro based music that uh, kind of feels like maybe a video Wait, game real? or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I didn't know that. Yeah, you should yeah. check it out. He's, okay. He does great we stuff. You need then I need to send then I need to talk to you about this short film script because it, it actually has to do with like some of that. So oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, look at that. It's kind of weird. It's a weird one, dude. It's like it's going to be fun, but it's going to be weird. Excellent. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Would love to. Very excited about all of that stuff that we've got going on. And it's just exciting to be able to talk to fellow creators, people that are passionate enough about just getting out there and making art that you do it against the odds, even when the pizza man is late and you don't get your lunch on time, y'all are out there making it happen. And I, I, I love to see it. I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to be a part of this conversation. Derek, anything else before we wrap it up? No, I just wanted to say thank you again for, you know, taking the time to host this and thank you to, to Chad and Steve for both your help, which was an immense help to myself and Samantha and the entire cast and crew and for being a part of this conversation. All right. And cool. on that, we are going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Derek, I'm turning it back over to you, my friend. And thank you, Jeremy, for taking the time to moderate this awesome discussion with myself, Steve, and Chad. Jeremy will be back next week with three of the six primary cast members of the feature. We'll be joined with Jace Gibson, who plays the role of Matt, Samantha Savoie, who plays the role of Katie, and Jeff Stewart, who plays the role of Robert. The three of them will be on... And I'm very curious to hear what they have to say about their experiences of making the feature. And that will be available next Monday on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. If you want to find out more information about the film and see some behind the scenes photos, you can follow the movie at The Feature Movie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, you can find it at D Diamond Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to leave a review for the podcast. Uh, the more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public, whether that be Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience, and you can leave a review there. But that's going to do it for this week's show, and we'll see you guys back here next Monday for another exciting episode of The Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Mm -hmm.